All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Big One Podcast. A little later in the week this week, but, you know, we're, we're busy, folks. Uh, speaking of busy, we're just down to two podcast hosts this week. With me, as normally, I guess, uh, <laughs> is Baby G. Say hi to the folks at home, Baby G. Hello, fans. We are recording live from the Satellite Studio this week in North St. Paul, Minnesota. So we're on a new setup. Hopefully it's going to work out pretty good for us, but ready to talk some racing. And we're coming up on the playoffs here. So this is a prime time for NASCAR. I'm excited. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I'm actually at home. I'm recording from bed today um, after having a week where I was uh in long beach washington and astoria oregon and denver colorado and winter park colorado and flew back last night because we got indycar to watch in town this week Um, before we get to that we are the big one podcast we talk all forms of motorsports but mostly nascar Um, you can follow us on twitter at podcast big one or email us at podcast big one at gmail.com that's what we're all about we also have a sponsor this week baby g tell them who our sponsor is Fresh off of the Minnesota State Fair, we got a big sponsor this week. It's Sweet Martha's Cookies. We got that big old bucket of cookies for $19, and they also threw in a sponsorship this week with our purchase. So I was eating a lot of cookies at the Minnesota State Fair. Cookie Overload was drinking a chocolate chip cookie beer with a rim. I saw that. Dipped in semi-sweet chocolate. It was absolutely delectable and very good on a 95-degree day some suds some water some cookies thank you sweet martha's yeah Yeah, let's extend the sponsorship the minnesota state fair is awesome if you've never been able to go you should work it into your bucket list it's a it's totally a bucket list type of event um and it it goes for what 10 days i think um really awesome to get out there and go and see and yeah the sweet martha's cookies um they do a full sheet a full sheet of chocolate chip cookies and dump it into a bucket, whereas the, where the bucket lid will not fit over the bu- bucket, and give that to you. And it's it's a re- very reasonable price. You all should have been like, hey, we have a podcast. Uh, would you sponsor us by giving us this for free? They probably wouldn't, but it would have been a fun ask. Um, very cheap ask, you know. Uh, we gotta we gotta up our sponsorship value, you know. So, we do, anyway. we do, man. Before, I had that cookie brain, so wasn't fully locked and loaded, ready to get that money for the sponsorship. <laughs> but hey, we did get something out of it. Just needed the cookies on demand. And speaking about on demand, let's jump into some racing action. Uh, we were at Daytona for Cup and Xfinity, um, starting on a Friday night. Do you want to break down the Xfinity race for us? Absolutely. Your stage one winner was Austin Hill. Stage two winner, Sheldon Creed, and your race winner was Justin Allgaier. I did watch this race. I had a really good time watching it. I unfortunately don't have my notes with me here in the satellite studio, so I may need you to carry some of the storylines here for me, but Mm. Xfinity at Daytona was a really fun race, and I think the three different stage winners is a testament to that. You had a lot of people making moves, a lot of people leading this race, and overall just a really, really fun, fun track. Yeah, it was a good race, um, and you know Xfinity for the super speedways can sometimes be a a you know riding around in in line just because it is so slippery with these cars. These cars do not have the traction that the the Cup cars do, um, so they were sliding around quite a bit. They did run around in line for for good parts of the race, but overall it was more exciting than a lot of these could be. 
Um, and yeah, Justin Allgaier getting it done at the end. That really tore at my heartstrings. I, I, I love Justin Allgaier. I think I'm ready to declare that he's my forever and favorite uh, Xfinity driver. I think the dude's awesome. Um, I've been rooting for him to win a championship for a couple years in a row now. So um, definitely rooting for him again this year. But yeah, remember that this is not a playoff race for Xfinity. It's just, uh, I think they have two more races left now before they get into their playoffs. Um, but, you know, big win for Allgaier to kind of like even himself up in the playoff standings and be able to get himself into a good position to make the final four again. Um, and first time. Guy's been racing Xfinity for what was, I think they, they showed it on the broadcast, like 10, 11 years. First Super Speedway win. Been looking for that one for a long period of time. So really great to see. Really happy with that win for Justin Allgaier, man. Like you said, this guy's got a lot of time in the Xfinity series and to finally break through at a track like Daytona. I'm sure they had a really good good time after the race celebrating that win. Yeah, I'm always going to root for these guys that, that do... I don't want to say like they know their place or anything like that, but they recognize their talent level and they want to win, you know, and they, and they recognize, look, if I go to cup, there's only so many of the really good rides. I'm going to play. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay in a really good ride and compete for championships. And maybe I will have my say at cup at some point, but I don't have to be one of those young movers that just moves up through the series. I'm going to stay here and, and get it done. And that's what all Geyer has, has done. He's continued to progress and get it better and better year after year. Yeah, my favorite driver for sure. So cool. Um, let me break down Sunday, or sorry, it's not Sunday, Saturday night at uh, the Cup race at Daytona. Um, also, what a blessing! In both races, no rain. That's awesome. Um, I hadn't had that in a number of weeks. I feel like, but uh, stage one winner we had Martin Truex Jr. Stage two winner was Brad Keselowski, and the race winner was go figure Chris Busher for his third win in four races. Um, with the conclusion of the event, Bubba took the final playoff spot because it wasn't a new winner, um, and Ty Gibbs had crashed out. So um, which parts uh, do you want to break down? There were a couple big wrecks in there, some big ones, if you Yes, will. there were a couple of big ones on this one, and I've got to say that the racing action in this race was awesome. The first stage was some yeah. of the most intense racing of this entire season. You could tell that with this being the last regular season race, the guys who were on the playoff bubble and people who need that win to get in were racing extremely hard. The second stage, we did get some of that were just driving around being safe, but end of that stage two, all of stage three was just intense racing action. Ryan Blaney got caught up in a really, really nasty wreck. He got hooked a little bit, drove straight into the wall headfirst, and when he climbed out of that car, you could tell he was shook up. I want to say he was, he was going... Shook. 185 miles an hour and got turned straight on head-on contact if we don't have the safer barrier that's man that could be life-changing right there so really glad that we have that safe barrier and wow one of the hardest hits i've seen in a long time yeah i mean and and it's always possible that is you know i i i do like that a lot of people want to speculate when there is an accident and and, you know how can we improve things we're going to get to an accident that we're going to talk about that a little bit but like there's nothing you can do about these kind of hits. This kind of racing has the possibility for these kind of hits. It has this possibility at Atlanta, too, by the way. It has this possibility at almost every track that we're at. Um, California, Michigan. You go to big tracks. You have fast cars. You can get right hooked into a wall. That can happen. And 
yeah, go look at the similarities. There were some videos that were put up that were side-by-sides of this and Dale Earnhardt's fatal, tra- or fatal crash, also at the same track in the same corner. Um, side-by-side, they're dead on. They're exactly the same. Um, it hits at the same angle and everything. Just watch how much in slow motion that barrier gives. That safer barrier saved Ryan Blaney's life. Um, the fact that he can just race the next week is a testament to how good the cars are built. These these impacts will never be like like a pillow fight. They're never gonna they're never gonna, never gonna feel great. Um, and then sometimes they will cause concussions. It's not really a great way around that either. Um, you can see how much his head gives too. By the way, in that in that wreck, and it needs to go somewhere. If it stood if it stayed put, that's a concussion. Um, it can't. It has to move. So it's as good as it can get. Really tough accident. That was the big one that ended stage two and took out Ty Gibbs, basically giving Bubba the points way in. Um, took out a number of really really good cars, uh, as as some other drivers had already pulled back and out of the pack, thinking that that was going to happen. And sure enough, it did. So. Um, just some tough pushing, which is what happens with this uh, the style racing. So, Speaking of pulling out to the back of the pack, there were a number of drivers that did go back to the pack just because they wanted to, you know, they were in the playoffs already. I want to say Denny Hamlin was one of those drivers that he just dropped way to the rear and just, you know, drove around to keep that car on the track and get those points. There wasn't as much of that as I thought we were going to see. I know for a while um, Brad Keselowski had done that for a bit, but then he got up there and got that stage two win. You mentioned Christopher Boucher with the win RFK, three of the last five races for Boucher himself. They are absolutely dialed in and ready to go for these playoffs. It seems like that Ford camp at RFK got things dialed in at the right time, and we may see uh, a good run from these guys. And hats off to Brad Keselowski with the push at the end of this race to give Boucher that win. I mean, on these super speedway races, Keselowski is probably the best pusher out of any driver, and able to push through a corner, which is extremely hard and extremely difficult to do at a super speedway, he did it, and he got Boucher that win. That Mm -hmm. was awesome to see that teammate uh, compatibility there at the end. Yeah, I give. Yeah, I, I I know we were messaging right after the race, but I gave all of that win to Brad K. Um, you know, he uh, they say that you know, especially about these super speedway races, is is you know sometimes you get to go to victory lane um, as as the person that didn't do anything, right? As as the teammate that that's just nothing but thankful, right? Um, sometimes the hardest guy that's working is the one that's behind you. And Brad got out to that lead, or got got Busher out to that lead, and then just played you know team owner. I'm, I'm going to push these guys to a win. I mean, Dale Earnhardt did the same thing in that in that 2001 race and to his fatal crash, right? Like, that's just that's what you do in those situations, um, and it was pretty cool to see. Um, we, we did kind of breeze over it, but we wanted to talk about the Ryan Priest wreck, um, obviously a really tough wreck uh, late in Stage 3. Um, kind of just, uh, I think it was the 43 um, that kind of, like, hooked him. Uh, but it was just, it was just, you know, standard super speedway racing down the straightaway. Just don't know that the guy's nose is there. It gets turned, gets hits Priest. Priest's car gets 90 degrees, turned sideways, and kind of as soon as it goes from pavement to grass, something about the way in which it was gliding over the grass, there was just more air underneath the car, just lifted it and just took it. And uh, one of the most violent barrel rolls that we've seen in a, in a long, long time. I mean, you can see some of those old videos of the barrel rolls these cars used to take. Um, not these cars, obviously, but very different cars. Um, 
It's been a long time since we've seen a car roll like that. Very violent, very, very tough. But Priest is okay. He's back at the racetrack this week. Got some blood vessels that have burst behind his eyes. So he looks like a just total badass. Um, luckily, he's not in pain or anything. Um, but again, I, I would say another testament to how well these cars are built. But maybe something to look at aerodynamically. Maybe we don't need grass on the back stretch. I get why we have it on the front stretch. It's part of the, like, the the prestige and how good this track looks, you know, but on the backstretch, who the fuck cares, you know? One of, like you said, the most violent crashes we've seen in a long time. I showed this video to Big G last night, and he was shocked that this guy was able to climb out of that car and that he is going to be racing this weekend. So like you said, the safety in these cars is top-notch. It's at an all-time high. When you flip, there was at one point, Priest was in the air, and the car flipped five times before it touched five down times. again. So I, I I couldn't believe yeah. what I was seeing when I was watching that. I just audibly said, like, oh, my God. When he was sideways, he hit that grass, and you could just see the thing just lifted. I mean, there's a lot of safety features when the cars are backwards, those flaps release and try to, you know, slam the car back to the ground. But when it's sideways like mm -hmm. that, there's there's nothing you can do. That's just, you know, wind flow physics it's the car's just going up and over so really glad to see that priest yep. is safe and going to be able to race at darlington yeah exactly yeah I, I i mean i don't have i don't think there was anything else about the car that like looked like it failed to me i know a lot of people brought up the roof flap the roof flap actually did what it's supposed to do which i i get that they're like well we don't want it to open while the car's flipping well you don't want the car to flip like that like that's that's it's a worst case edge case type of scenario going on right there the idea of the roof flap is that it's easy to escape in the in the you know a life-threatening situation and that's essentially what it did right it released itself and allowed allowed itself to open so um yeah i i think everything went as planned at least from a nascar car perspective except for the fact that the air got underneath the car which again might be more of a track defect than it is a car defect so um they'll look at it and they'll see what they can do about it um speaking of i i I actually kind of want to jump back to the Xfinity race real quick. Sure. Um, as we were talking about uh, Brad and, and, and Busher's kind of push to the front, um, and then we were talking about, like, Bubba being into the playoffs. We had an interesting kind of, like, playoff scenario play out at the very end of the Xfinity race in which Allgaier takes the win, but all the guys that were right around him were all fighting for a playoff spot, a playoff point spot. Um, Sheldon Creed was there. Parker Kligerman was up there. I forget who else was up there, but there were like three or four of them that if any one of them won, they would have taken one of those point spots. And it got a little weird because actually with the, the that, um, that, race, that final restart, they couldn't really push each other because they couldn't push one of them one of them to take one of the other playoff spots. And so like Allgaier was in an interesting spot there. I thought that that might have some implication on the cup race as well. Or like maybe Bubba or Denny would be up front and know that the car in front of them was going to be someone that could take Bubba's playoff spot and they just wouldn't push. Because, you know, in the cup cars, more specifically than the Xfinity cars, you're either in line and pushing or if you decide to give up and not push the car in front of you, you stall your whole line. Like there's no way around you. You just stall the whole line. And I thought that was going to come into play and it just didn't, which is cool. We got to talk about Chase Elliott so we can stop talking about Chase Elliott, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
does not win Daytona. He's out. He's out of the playoffs. And I'm curious what this is going to do for ratings and viewership. I mean, for me, I, I could really give a shit if Chase Elliott's in the playoffs or not. I kind of think it's awesome that he's not because he's the one who put this on himself with that injury midseason going skiing. Just one of those bizarre things where take care of your body and, and take care of the season. And Hendrick Motorsports only has two drivers in the playoffs. They had two drivers miss this year, Chase being one of them. Yeah. How about how about going into the season, telling someone that Hendrick will only get two of the four in and Stuart Haas Racing will only get one of the four in? That's uh, talk about parity. You got 10 teams represented in the 16 drivers racing for the title. Um, that's pretty dang cool. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't you know, miss Chase being the Chase uh, for what it is. Um, you know, I, I think from a ratings perspective, he he does bring a lot. But I think most of those fans respect the sport enough to still watch. They still want to see Chase win, and there's a number of racetracks that he could win before the season's out here. Um, Bowman, kind of same thing. I don't think any any Bowman fan is just not a NASCAR fan. You know, they're just a Bowman fan by any means. Um, if anything, I kind of hope those Chase fans root for another driver. Um, not not because I want to see like Chase do badly. Chase is gonna be around for a number of years, but I want them to see and watch another driver and not have those like Chase Elliott rose colored glasses on all the time. Um, that would be nice. It, and it wasn't like Elliott had a bad day or anything. He just didn't win, right? He ran a pretty solid yep. race, just didn't get the win, and he's not in. It's as simple as that. That's it. Yep. That's all it is. So, cool. Um, well, we had some races on Sunday, but instead of breaking them down live, I'm going to I'm gonna go and key up a recording from Baby G and Papa G, right? That's what Papa, G, Papa G, baby. G. Um, Papa G getting keyed in here talking about the races in the Milwaukee Mile, the ARCA race, and the Truck Series race. Hello, Baby G here to recap Milwaukee Mile in person. We had two races at Milwaukee Mile, an ARCA race, and a truck race on a Sunday afternoon. I'll give you the breakdown of ARCA first. We'll then put some hot mic action from the track and also get into truck as well as what happened just day of the race. How was the track? How was our experience? Etc. First race of the day, the Sprecher 150 for the ARCA series. This race went green shortly after noon, about 12-11 in the afternoon. Great race all the way around. So this was a really fun one, 150-lapper. William Solich and Jesse Love battled in the 1-2 position all day long. The fantastic part about this race was the restarts. Jesse Love would get a really good jump on every single restart on the inside, and then Solich would do a crossover move every single time and get the lead back one lap later. So Jesse Love kept going to that well on that inside move on the restart, William Solich wasn't having it. He was giving him that old crossover every time, taking the lead, and had a really good battle all the way through on a whole bunch of restarts in this thing. 23 laps to go. There was an absolutely hilarious restart for this race. Some of the cars in the back of the pack were, I'm not kidding you, three wide, four wide. They were not organized at all. But the flagman still decides to drop this thing green, and they went racing. Going to give you a little bit of flavor for the end of this thing. So final restart with nine laps to go. William Solich puts the bumper into Jesse Love with five to go. 
Ends up building a two-second lead and gets that checkered flag for the win. Young 16-year-old up-and-comer William Solich. Well done. Win at Milwaukee Mile. Some other notable placements on this one. Luke Fenhaus, a local Wisconsin driver, finished sixth. And our boy, Frankie Muniz, a little dip into Muniz watch with a 12th place finish. This was pretty funny. My father was with me for this race. He didn't know that Frankie Muniz was in the Arca series. So I'm showing him the score sheet out in the parking lot before the race. And he goes, Frankie Muniz, is this the guy that's from that TV show? I go, oh yeah, Malcolm in the middle. He's He's racing here in the ARCA series now. So overall, we had a really fun time. First race of the day. Sprecher 150 won by William Solich. In between races here at Milwaukee Mile, we did get a little bit of time to head out to the car, get some sandwiches for a little energy boost throughout the day. We grabbed a beer, and then we also recorded a very, very short uh, hot mic clip. So I'm going to drop that in right now, give you a little flavor for what we saw, our initial reaction live at the track. All right, we are live from Milwaukee Mile in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We just finished up Arca Menards Series. What did we see? What do we like? How hot is it at the track? Gorgeous day, 72 and sunny, a little breeze. It's very nice out. Jesse Love looked like he was going to run away with this thing. Ended up not running away with this thing. Solich, beautiful run, got the lead at the end, got the win. As you can probably tell, we were having a good day out at the track. Got a little bit of hot mic action before we headed back in for the Claren Harbors 175, the truck race. Your main event of the weekend here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at the Milwaukee Mile. Honestly, for this race, I don't have a whole lot of notes because we were kind of just soaking up the race, watching the laps run by, watching the laps tick off. And I'll give you the stage breakdown, your race winner. All I got to say is stage one, Grant Enfinger. Stage two, Grant Enfinger. Stage three, Grant Enfinger. This guy opened an absolute can of whoop-ass on the truck series at Milwaukee Mile. Really impressive run by Grant Enfinger. Fun race overall. We had some awesome seats at the track, 400s level. I'll get into a little bit of our race day experience because I don't have much on notes for the truck race other than a, a couple of mild cautions, some stuff that happened, but really nothing worth calling out. Just Grand Angfinger going out there and turning that thing left, getting good drive off the corners and pulling away for the win. Milwaukee Mile is managed by Track Enterprises, Inc. They also own the Nashville track as well. And I've got to say for my first time at the Milwaukee Mile what I would consider a home track for me, I was not impressed. We got in the parking lot about 9 a.m., perfect, got a great spot for tailgating, set up camp. One of the things we noticed right away, there are no bathrooms to be found outside of this track, not even any porta potties. So two hours of tailgating, drinking a couple of beverages, a couple of whiskey and Cokes, a beer or two here or there. We decide about 11.30, it's it's time to go in, head in, pack up the tailgate supplies. We get around the corner where the main entrance is, and I kid you not, there's got to be 2,500 to 4,000 people in line to get in this race. The lines were absolutely ridiculous for a large-scale event like this. We ended up 
blending into the line pretty nicely and didn't have all that long of a, a wait to get in. But if we would have walked back to where the line was forming in the end of the line, I don't think we would have seen the first 50 laps of this 150 lap ARCA race. So I'm going to give you a breakdown of what it was like to get through this security line. You've got 20,000 people expected to come to the trace at Milwaukee Mile, and there are two metal detectors for the entire facility. Not only just two metal detectors, they are making us take everything out of our pockets. Keys, wallet, phone, earplugs, anything you got. You've also got people that didn't realize you could not carry in, holding up the line, complaining, having to walk back to their car. Overall, first impression, not impressed with how long it took to get into the track. No problem once we're in, though. We find our seats pretty easily. We're way up in the 400 section, row 36, about five rows from the top. Right outside of turn one, extremely happy with the seats that we had at Milwaukee Mile. So we picked these up on StubHub, got a really good deal, paid about $45 a piece, $15 under face value, which I was extremely happy with. The only issue is Milwaukee Mile removed their scoring pylon a number of years back, and they had an absolutely pathetic scoring screen. We could not even see who the top five drivers were. We couldn't see a lap counter anywhere. And this was the biggest complaint of the people around us in our section that we got talking to in between races. Absolutely zero information. We talk about this a lot on the podcast. What do we want to see at the track? We want more information. And unfortunately for this one, we didn't know a whole heck of a lot of what was going on throughout the race. You know, we could follow the leader. We could follow some of our, our main guys like Frankie Muniz in the ARCA race. But other than that... For the truck race, we did not even know when the stage breaks were coming until, you know, after the first stage ended, me and my dad go, we got to just start counting these laps off so we know when the stage break's coming so we know when, you know, the action's going to heat up. So overall with that, not impressed with the information at the track. Third thing I was not impressed with, food and beverage situation. By the time the ARCA race was over, a good number of the food and beverage vendors had apparently already ran out of food, which is extremely concerning considering no food was allowed to be carried in. So you've got people that have probably been tailgating, having some cocktails, they're buying beers at the track. All of a sudden you're getting hungry, it's 4 or 5 o'clock during the middle of this truck race, and a lot of the stands are out of food. So I don't know what happened there. sounded like some pretty big miscommunication with what the track expected or the vendors at the track expected for attendance versus what the attendance was. And this was a really, really strong attended race. So kudos to the Milwaukee faithful. We were talking to some people. They came all the way up from Illinois because there's no race at Chicagoland anymore. They just wanted to get some truck and ARCA racing in. So enough about the negatives. Overall, our experience at the track was extremely fun. Me and my dad, we went out there for a Sunday, you know, early afternoon slash early evening for the truck race, and we had a blast. We we didn't pay a whole lot of money to get in. Parking was 15 bucks. We brought some beverages. We tailgated. We had some sandwiches out in the parking lot. And overall, if Milwaukee Mile can get some of their things figured out, this Track Enterprises, Inc., y'all got to stop being cheap. Treat this like a track that deserves the respect of NASCAR. And we may just see IndyCar and trucks come in here in a combined weekend at some point in the future. So I was impressed with some of the view. I'll, I'll send you guys some pictures so you can tweet some stuff out from the Big One Podcast Twitter account. Really awesome view of the downtown skyline. 
really pretty view of some trees and scenery. Up in the 400 section, you could absolutely see the entire track. You could track any car you want all the way around the track. Overall, Milwaukee Mile, good experience on a Sunday. This track and this promoter's got some stuff to figure out, but happy to see NASCAR come back to my hometown, and let's get back to the Big One podcast. All right, and now back to some storylines, some storylines before we break down this weekend's racing action. Uh, Truex wins the regular season championship. You know, that was pretty much a given going into that final race of the year. Um, but he got it done by getting those. Uh, he actually won that first stage and, and basically won it there, I think. Um, but that's that's pretty cool. Um, Truex, a guy that was maybe going to retire, goes out and wins the regular season championship and is the odds-on favorite to win the championship um, going into this playoffs. Pretty sweet. Well done by Martin Truex Jr. And speaking of odds-on favorite to win the playoffs, NASCAR has done a deal with FanDuel and has authorized the gaming operator FanDuel to use NASCAR marks, and its odds can also be used by NASCAR. So NASCAR signing on a deal officially with FanDuel so they can get some uh, piece of that action. I'm good with that. I can bet FanDuel over here in Oregon, so pretty happy about it. Um, cool. With that, uh, we want to mention something that we missed uh, a couple weeks ago when it when it first came out, and it was just a surprise drop at the time. Um, but classics.nascar.com, which is now accessible through the NASCAR app, um, has a over a hundred classic races. A lot of a lot of recent ones too, but a lot of classic races that you can go back and watch in restored quality. So very very high quality, higher quality than what they were being broadcasted at at the time. Um, and with that, when you're on there and you're watching, they have these uh, kind of like highlight points where you can jump to a point in the race where a big one happened or a pass for the lead happened or something happened to a leader. Um, it's really awesome. It's one of the best experiences I've ever seen from a, a let's look back at the history of this sport type of perspective. Um, I love the NBA app. I remember talking it up on this podcast and saying that I wish NASCAR had some of this kind of thing. Um, and I loved it because you can go back and watch uh, games that you had watched. This is better. This is a better form of that. And going forward, I know they're going to be cataloging every single race as it happens to have the best ones end up on here. And it's uh, phenomenal, phenomenal job. Well done, NASCAR. Love it. Well done, as you said, by NASCAR, getting into that more modernized approach to content. I love to see it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, we're just breezing right along here. We're going to jump into some other series real quick. Formula One, uh, we were at the Dutch Grand Prix last weekend. Uh, no surprise, but Max wins again. That's, that's I think, his like fifth Dutch GP in a row. Um, he's from there, so uh, it just makes sense that he wants to go a little bit harder. But it was a closer finish. I think just over three seconds behind was uh, uh, Fernando Alonso. And Pierre Gasly, with his first podium of the year, Clearly very emotional. The Alpine team has not had a lot of uh, a lot of speed this year, um, so pretty good for them to get that podium. Pretty awesome. Um, we're at the Italian GP this weekend. Uh, Ferrari's actually on the pole. That just happened a little bit earlier this morning, um, and that race is tomorrow Sunday at nine Eastern. Um, IndyCar. Scott Dixon won his second straight race last weekend, this time at the Worldwide Technology Oval. Um, we're heading to two final races this season, starting in my neck of the woods here at Portland International uh, tomorrow, Sunday at 3 Eastern. Um, right now, Alex Palou leads points by 74 points. But remember that that, that, IndyCar, uh, that IndyCar points 
system is 50 points for a win, 40 points for second, 35 for third, and so on down. Um, all Dixon needs to do is maybe win these next two races or win one of the two and have Palou finish down in the 10s, 15s, somewhere like that. And this could be a really tight uh, uh, battle going to the final race of the season. So um, still a lot to watch for there. Um, let's jump into some race predictions. Uh, where are we at this weekend, Baby G? Track this week, we've got X- Xfinity and Cup at Darlington, and Arca and Truck are headed to Kansas at that mile-and-a-half speedway. So schedule for this week, Arca, Friday at 6 o'clock Eastern. The Sioux Chief Fast Track 150. Truck, we've also nice. got Friday evening at 9 o'clock Eastern, a late one. Kansas Lottery 200. After... Arca and Truck at Kansas. We move over to Darlington for Xfinity on Saturday, 3.30 Eastern, Diamond Hill Plywood 200. And first playoff race of the season for the Cup Series on Sunday, night race, 6 o'clock Eastern, your cookout Southern 500. One of the classic races of the season, that Southern 500 at Darlington. So can you read that again? Start again, but Kansas is next weekend. It's not this weekend. Is it? Yep, just Darlington this weekend. Uh, yeah. Oh, I so just, I just looked it up. See, so yeah, all right. So Darlington this weekend, Saturday, three thirty Eastern, Diamond Hill Here, Plywood. Let's just, I'm, I'm gonna key. I'm gonna key you up again. Okay. Yeah. Uh, race predictions, Baby G. Where are we at this weekend? We are at Darlington this weekend for Xfinity and Cup. Xfinity on Saturday, 3.30 Eastern, Diamond Hill Plywood, 200. Cup race, first playoff race of the season on Sunday, 6 o'clock Eastern for the Cookout Southern 500, one of those classic races at Darlington. Oh, and you know how we love Cookout. Um, (laughs) uh, Some previous winners here, 2022 last year, we had Eric Jones in the Legacy Motor Club car, uh, Legacy Motor Club probably eyeing this weekend as a really good weekend to try and try and repeat. Uh, They just need some good news from this year. Uh, 2021, we had Denny Hamlin win, and 2020, we had Kevin Harvick win. So maybe Kevin Harvick can get a uh, final win riding off into the sunset and actually advance his playoff hopes. So uh, with that, let's jump into some smart and heart picks, shall we? Um, Let me see. We had last weekend at Daytona. Uh, B-Boy picked Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch for an average finish of 16.5. New Guy picked Blaney and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. for an average finish of 35th. Um, And Baby G, you had Brad Keselowski and Big Joe, Joey Logano, for an average finish of 3.5, winning the weekend and extending your lead right now. Baby G now leads with an average finish of 11.9. B-Boy in second place with a 14.63, and New Guy with a 16.83. But guess what? It's playoffs time, and it's going to get harder to pick now. The way in which we have decided the rules will shift for the playoffs are your smart pick has to come from someone or can be someone within the playoffs at that time. So right now you have 16 drivers to choose from, but then you'll have 12, then you'll have 8, then you'll have 4. The other thing, you can't pick the same driver twice. Um, so if it comes down to it, you won't be able to pick uh, your final four driver. You you can't pick that final four driver if they're in. Your smart pick will have to pick someone from outside the final four if that if that happens. So 
keep that in mind as you pick with new guy not here. I think I will take that first pick. So let me see who I want. Um, we are Darlington. I'm going to go with Tyler Reddick. Right for my smart pick, I'm going to take Denny Hamlin. The old ham bone. All right, that means my heart pick has to be someone outside the playoffs. I'm going to go with Ty Gibbs. Oh, got to be all the way outside the playoffs, not just top 10. Yep, outside the playoffs. But remember, in three races, there will be four additional drivers that will be outside the playoffs. Absolutely, so you, absolutely. Yeah, leave some of those guys out that maybe are going to be good next round that you think won't make it through this round. That that could mean that you get to use them as a heart pick. So I'm going to take one of these Hendrick boys. Give me the 48, Alex Bowman. Bowman, yeah, keeping it outside, that's probably for the best. All right, well, we'll get those picks from New Guy uh, and, and make sure that he understands the rules as well. Um, we'll check back in after this weekend's race. Uh, moving right along, we will not be going through a rapid fire, uh, just two of us, and honestly, we're a little tired. Uh, so <laughs> right into Baby G reads the standings. All right, so we're going to read the standings for the playoffs. In first place, tied for first place, it looks like William Byron and Martin Truex Jr., both at 36 points. Third place, Denny Hamlin with 25. Fourth place, Chris Boucher, 21. Fifth place, Kyle Busch, 19. Sixth place, Kyle Larson with 17. Seventh place, Christopher Bell at 14. Eighth place, Ross Chastain with 11. Ninth place, one of those RFK boys, Brad Keselowski with 10. 10th place, Tower Reddick with 9. And 11th and 12th with 8, we've got Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney. Below that cut line, we've got Michael McDowell in 13th at 7. 14th, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. at 5. 15th place, Kevin Harvick with 4. And sneaking in at that 16, Bubba Wallace at a clean 0. Yeah, I thought Bubba won a stage at some point. Same. But I, I didn't. I was not expecting to get down to the end of that uh, and see a zero there a zero. at the twenty-three. Yeah, but you know, only eight points out. You know, that's that's the line right now. It's it's minus eight is what Bubba's out. Minus four for Harvick. Minus uh, three for Stenhouse, and minus one for McDowell. So I mean, it's it's close. You go into these these, and honestly, any given round, anyone could drop out. I mean, all it takes is Byron or, or Truex, even at the top, that they're, what, they're 29 points in, to wreck out, right? They could wreck out of one race, and all of a sudden, they're at the bubble. So, the, these are tough. you got to perform each and every week. If you are in an accident, you got to put that car back together and salvage points, um, even if it's one or two points. Every round, if this is your first playoffs and you've not seen it, and you don't think a point, a point matters, it does. Every single year, every single round, we get down to the final laps of the final cutoff race, and there's one guy that's trying to pick up one or two positions because that's what matters. Um, every point, every point matters. So let's get into it, man. Playoffs, let's go. Business is about to pick up. If you're not locked and loaded, ready to go for these playoffs, you've got to get ready to go because the intensity does pick up. And like you said, every stage matters. A win gets you to the next round. And starting out at Darlington, let's go, baby. I am ready to watch this race on Sunday. Yeah, what a great race to get us into into the playoffs. Um, love, love the scheduling right now. 
Cool. All right. Well, that brings us to the end. Let's go and enjoy a nice college football game day Saturday. I'm going to go enjoy some races at Portland International. We're going to enjoy a, a good race at Darlington today for the Xfinity team. Um, hope you enjoy this on a Saturday afternoon. This has been the Big One Podcast. You can follow us at Podcast Big One or email us at podcastbigone at gmail.com. I've been B-Boy. This has been Baby G live from that satellite studio in St. Paul, Minnesota. We're going to get out of here. We're going to tend to the brisket a little bit on the smoker. And like you said, Mm -hmm. we're going to crack some brews and watch some college football, get ready to host the family. This evening for dinner, we got some burgers, brisket, a whole bunch of sides that we've been working on. I'm sneaking out to record the pod right now and going to get back (laughs) to the party prep here pretty soon. So hope you guys all have a good holiday weekend. We've appreciated the 30 minutes you could spare for us, baby G. Thank you. All right. Love y'all. See you later. I'm not doing that at track house racing, but the one guy that put me in the wall. That was that was questionable at best. We uh we almost threw down. I had him in a chokehold in the victory lane, and security had to come and tell him, "Hey, let him let him go because he's gonna choke you out." <laughs> hey, I'm I'm sorry, man. This guy was a little. We just had to let him go, but we had a good time. Track house racing. He put me in the wall. I was driving on the dirt. It happens.